Welcome back to Mages and Murder Dads. Uh, it's the show where we talk about the Baldur's Gate games and the games after them. I'm Cameron. I'm Danny. Icewind Dale. Episode 6. Icewind Jeff. <laughs> Icewind Larry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, this is the last episode. This is the last w- This is uh, wrapping up the Icewind Dale experience mm-hmm. final chapter and uh he, he, this is i got so much to say <laughs> yeah based on our previous episode many things i said in that that thing and uh i i just got cards on the table kind of astonished by the end of this game <laughs> um Go on, yeah. What a st- I, I don't. I didn't feel super surprised, but is that different? Uh, yeah, from I did feel. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, it didn't turn into Command and Conquer. Uh, so yeah, yeah. I'm not, I, yeah, I was not shocked and appalled. Or uh, uh, it was really weird when uh, they just played like uh, sixty-five hours of uh, live news footage in the middle <laughs> of the game. That was pretty shocking, I guess. Uh, no, I. But uh, this, the final chapter. And the way this game finishes up, I wish the rest of the game had been this way. Because mm. it's good. I mean, the rest oh, of the yeah. game is pretty good. I, you know, I have a, I've been kind of off and on on it so far because you know it's like, you know, sometimes there's there wasn't a lot going on. But you know, I think the 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 bar was never too low. But I think that this final chapter really raises the bar. Because uh, what we get is we get Dorns, you know, lower Dorns deep, lower mm-hmm. Dorns deep. Uh, we get like a full straight up dungeon, like a like a second edition style dungeon module. Yes. With a bunch of interconnected stuff, all kinds of people. There's a lot of like pretty in-depth conversations that can happen here. You get all this different stuff. There's a lot of interlocking quests, many of which I did not resolve in the right order. So I didn't get any benefit from it, but mm-hmm. they at least existed and one could have. Uh, if uh, if you did it, and then there's a pretty interesting ending part to it. <laughs> the ending stinger is really good. Yeah. Um, there's a cool boss fight. There's actually a couple cool boss fights in here. So this is all to say, I, I think that the uh, the this chapter is as good as the best parts of Baldur's Gate 1 and 2. Mm-hmm. I would agree with that. I think that it fe- this chapter feels so dense in a way that the... Chapter five felt quite sparse. Yeah. Uh, this Chapters chapter, four and five. Yeah. Um, it really feels like I would have loved to have, I would have been okay with uh, the average density of content of the game being slightly less than this, but being consistent across, you know, all, what, 20 hours? How, 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 how much time have we spent on this game? I don't know. 15, Let me look. 15 to 20? Good question. 22.5 hours is yep. what I've got, and that's definitely with, like, you know, leaving it running occasionally or whatever on accident. Yeah. So, yeah, probably 20 hours, somewhere in there. Yeah, so not a... I think that over the 20 in terms of the amount of stuff going on in the game, uh, quite different, uh, you know, really uh, quite a spectrum. And here at the end... 
I am I am happy to see that it's it's ending pretty strong and having like a lot of as you said interesting encounters, interesting dialogue stuff, uh, but not getting too fancy. It's still an Icewind Dale game here. We're we're still resolving all of these problems <laughs> by uh, by getting into a fight. But um, I don't know. How do you want to start? Do you want to just kind of recap the whole game plot? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I'll give it a shot. Um, it's going to be hard. I know it's going to be hard to like kind of get all this together, but I, I believe in you. Yeah. You are a group of adventurers who set out from East Haven. Uh, you are waylaid by a bunch of baddies like giants and such and separated from the caravan and you can't go back to East Haven. And you are uh, you arrive in Coldahar. And in Kaldahar, there are a lot of problems, and there is this archdruid who runs the place, so you know it can't be that great of a place if an archdruid is in charge. And he, you know, has you do a couple of tasks trying to get to the bottom of the bad things. The first couple are maybe some red herrings, and then we really figure out, oh, we got to... We got to take down this baddie and grab this uh, artifact that I keep calling um, the heart of the mountain, and mm-hmm. but it is in fact legally distinct. It, in but it's way. in fact Hearthstone. It's the, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it is uh, the big MacGuffin of the game, mm-hmm. and we go and kill Yuxaname in the hardest fight of the game, and yeah, no, no, well. There's a fight in this last chapter mm. that that is uh, could be that hard, mm-hmm. but just because of some trickery, not because yeah. of just straight up difficult. Correct, correct. Yeah, yeah. Um, we kill Yuxaname, and then we come back to Kaldahar, and we find out, oh my gosh, the archdruid that we thought we were helping out, it was this awful demon guy in disguise. Oh, shucks. And and we thought we were doing a good, but we were really doing a bad when mm-hmm. we were doing that 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 demon guy's bidding. And then we find out we've got to get to the bottom of this artifact that we pulled the the heart of the mountain, and <laughs> we have to um, go and talk to uh, the ghost of uh, Elf, and then he is like, "Oh, you got to go to a different place." And then we go to the old dwarven place, but there are no dwarves at all in in Dorn's Deep. They're all gone, and instead there's a bunch of baddies. And it turns out, like really fast transition to finding out like more about the uh, the political structure of the big big bads, like uh, appar- state apparatus. We're just trying to like establish a new, you know, and some kind of n- new life in. Dorn's Deep. Um, and in this chapter, we head into Dorn's Deep, and we, we know we've got to take down some generals who all have a badge. And uh, in a letter that we read from the Big Bad, we know that, you know, you got you to gotta catch them all. You got to get all six badges before you're admitted to the Pokemon University. Mm-hmm. And that's where we are. And I think we we start this chapter already having two badges. We have two. And between the uh, the last episode and this episode, I, I took a little time and went back and got the one I was missing. Literally 10 minutes, right? I, mean, I took about 20 because okay. I had to fight some stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, But yeah, you know, a small amount of time. Went back and did that. 
now I'm ready. I'm I'm on par. We go into Lower Dorn's Deep, and it's uh we go into this place. I don't think I've or like Durnell Anathema or something. <laughs> mm-hmm. Durnell Athea. I don't know what it's called, but uh, it, it's a little bit weird. We we go in here and we immediately talk to a thing that's called like Voice of Durnell Athea or whatever. Yeah, it is. some kind of automata or, or whatnot. Some it's some floating armor is what mm-hmm. it is, and it's like, hey, bro. I am the spirit. It, like this, the first conversation you have in this chapter is like the foot is on the pedal to the floor, right? Yes. He's like, "Hey, guess what? I'm the soul of a paladin of Torm, maybe Ilm- Ilmater. No, he's not of Ilmater. Oh, he, he, okay. Because he's part of the he. I think he's Torm uh, because it's part of the Trinity of like you know good gods, basically mm. like so like Helm Torm and. Uh, uh, Ilmater, but he's not an Ilmater guy. And he's like, yeah, and I was here like a bajillion years ago when the uh, when the elves and the dwarves were fighting one another and they were like going to fight and I was trying so hard to keep them from going to war with one another. And in the last moments as they were charging each other across the battlefield, I threw myself in the middle because I'm a paladin mm-hmm. and I was dedicated to my oath and they killed me. The Ooh. elves chopped me up and the dwarves stomped me into the dirt. And as I felt my bones breaking, my spirit realized it would never leave this place until this problem is resolved. And it's like this eternal like God guilt that he has. He's like, I will never be able to go to the afterlife until this is resolved. And uh, this is a sacred place. I'm going to kill you. Basically, <laughs> it's it's tough. You really you hate to see it, you know? Yeah. yeah you hate to see a good paladin get turned into uh, some sort of creature. Mm hmm. And he says that now this is where the Ilmater part comes. Yes, in. that's right. Maybe, yeah, and so then he says, "Yeah," and I'm kind of being like piloted around by a, by a, a, a priest of Ilmater, and uh, you know he can see through me, and you know that kind of thing. And I was like, Tickelvar was like, "Hey, dude." Have you thought about filing a form about this? Yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, have you have you talked to the proper authorities? And he was like, and I think you can make the observation: this seems a little out of character for a priest of Ilmater yeah, to be yeah, doing something like this. Yeah, it seems no good. And he goes, "Well, I'll not tell you he's doing it, and that seems appropriate to me because I'm cursed." And you, he you're going to have to get me, you know, three copies of of paper evidence to show that the person controlling me is not a priest of Ilmater because otherwise I'm, I'm going to keep coming after you. Yep. Basically. <laughs> so he says, and so, yeah, you, this thing attacks you. And when you enter into new regions, it'll respawn and attack you. And if you rest, it will respawn and attack you. Yes, it will turn from like a non like an, a dialogue entity. Yeah, and it will like reanimate and turn back hostile. And it will usually, if you rest, there's like one. <laughs> it's like so long as I cannot rest, you shall not rest, and it yeah. attacks you again. Yep, and you're like again, again, <laughs> yeah, again. Uh, and then he attacks you. Yeah, so that's like kind of happening everywhere. And he tells you about this. Uh, r- r- maybe revered brother Pokolin. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah, revered brother Pokolin is here. He's like the head priest of Ilmater. And then he says all this stuff and he's like, uh, you know, my, the power that fuels me is, uh, is through blinded and silent slaves who have had their tongues cut out. Mm. And that's when I was, li- that's when my character was like, 
It doesn't really sound like a, an Illmater thing. <laughs> yeah. sounds, sounds pretty bad. It's a little off-brand. <laughs> it's a little off-brand for doing that kind of stuff. And he was like, I don't care. I'm cursed. I don't have strong opinions on it. So, sometimes you get cursed. Sometimes you get cursed. And so, uh, anyway, so you just start running around and start doing stuff. And it kind of starts as a hub. There's a lot of salamanders here to fight. We're uh, in we're in Fireland. We just got out of Iceland with the ice yep. salamanders. Now we're in Fireland. And they're fire mm-hmm. salamanders, and they're fine. Yeah. What's the What's the order? I, yeah, they weren't particularly difficult to kill. There were some weird difficulty spikes that we can that are not you know not super difficult. Uh, this was mostly just like a time consuming chapter more than it was. Uh, like a hard chapter, I yeah, would say. Yeah, there were definitely more fights where I had to actually reload in this one. So mm-hmm. I'll give you like the the broad strokes and we can we can think about where we want to focus next. So sure. we got first up, fire area. There mm-hmm. are fire giants and they're uh, kind of the badge holder here is named. Do, 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 do. Oh gosh. She is named... I, I kill her very quickly. So Melania. She's Maiden <laughs> Ilmadia. Yeah, Ilmadia. Mm-hmm. And she, she like she she did tells, not talk to me. She did not talk to you. Okay. Oh, interesting. Oh, oh, she did talk to you. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah, mm. she gives like this whole scheme. They're like uh nope. <laughs> No, she doesn't. <laughs> she what? Not for me. Oh. <laughs> Well, so if you approach this uh, lava area with all these fire giants, if you don't pick a fight with the fire giants, they'll tell you where you can find Maiden Ilmadia. Mm-hmm. And you can go up to her. And she, uh, as long as you haven't aggroed anything, she will just spill her guts and be like, yeah, we're disassembling the forge here. And you, you can see like these buildings around have like chunks taken out of them because they're building a giant boat. And the idea is that you're going to just ram that boat at the end of the lava flow down here. And apparently on the on the other side of this cavern wall is a dark elf city called Rilla, Rilloven. 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 And, uh, and yeah, she gets racist and says they're schemers. Yeah. And we'll see, uh, we know how they're resistant to magic. Well, let's see if they're resistant to lava and 200-pound broadswords. So she's, she's cool. just going to take out these this dark elf city. Okay. And, uh, yeah, you can be like, I, basically it just comes down to, hey, we just want your badge. And it, it felt like uh, I, I did not see a way to get this badge without... Um, without killing her so Mm -hmm. i i initially initiated combat like in the middle of all the giants and that wasn't that great so i uh i just worked my way over to her by killing giants yeah uh as soon as i talked to those giants and they were like yeah our boss is over there you can go talk to her i thought well i could do that Mm -hmm. but if I start fighting her, then I got a bunch of giants behind me. Yeah. That sounds like a problem. Mm-hmm. So I just started killing the giants. Yeah. And did she just did she eventually and, like run over? Well, I went back and forth. I, I did a, uh, a classic uh, Fallout 2 maneuver in which mm-hmm. I killed one giant, 
went into the previous room, slept for 16 hours, mm-hmm. went forward, killed a fire giant, went backward, slept for 16 hours. Uh, so I did that a few times, and eventually she ended up there. But it basically turned into me summoning like a crap load of monsters, you know, a full six monsters, hasting them up, uh, chanting them up, and then sending them off screen to go fight. And I think I eventually ended up charging her. Oh, no, actually, what ended up weird, weirdly happening with her at that point is that I killed a bunch of fire giants, and there were probably like four stacked up at the door. And when I left and went and rested and, and came back, they would always reset, but not by very far. Mm-hmm. So they were kind of within visible distance. And so I, you know, so I'd kill one or two at a time, leave, rest, come back. And the really weird thing that happened the last time is I probably had like four on screen. And then I left, rested, came back, and they just despawned. They were just gone. And so oh. then she was totally by herself. And then, yeah, I just kind of uh, rolled the whole team up on her and, and killed her that way. It was pretty weird. Yeah. But anyway, so that was probably the easiest badge. Yeah, I would say, for me, easiest badge of this uh, of this um, chapter. Okay. Um, next up is you can kind of progress by going north from this lava area. And this is where uh, all of these, um, it seems like this is the nexus of that, uh, you know, animated suit of armor, that undead paladin. This is how he keeps getting brought back because you you have like a pentagram almost of these shielded priests of Ilmater being like, we're going to get you. Wow. So the second area you did was the final area. Yeah. This is the final area. Like in in the the hierarchy of where you go to these things. Because the way you get to the next part of the game is through this area. So yes. you did this one second, which has got to be pretty pretty interesting and weird. Yeah, it was because there it's literally like the door with all of the keys, right? Yeah. Or the stairwell yeah. with all the, stairwell, of the, the yeah. badge uh, you know, markers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did this next and it was great because the animated suit, the paladin thing stopped bothering me after that. Yeah, that would have been great if I'd known about that. <laughs> I would have done that first if I could have. Sure. I I killed that thing 10 times, easy. Oh, I bet. And yeah. it, and it takes a while too. He's tough. Yeah. He's pretty strong. Um, but this room had a bunch of greater mummies, and I think that this room would probably be hardest if you had to fight everything, but you can just kind of, you know, scooch into the fog of war, wait for one thing to aggro you, pull them back. Yeah, so I, I did that with, God, there's a lot. There's like six, seven uh, mm-hmm. greater mummies in this area. And yeah, I did this one last, and it was still pretty hard. Like, yeah. it, it took a couple reloads to figure out, like, what the best thing was particularly because each each little like priest of Ilmater who's in like a little immortality bubble they're surrounded by like a bunch of bone golems yes and like you know those died to one fireball each or two fireballs but still that's time consuming and that's like cast time as, as you're being attacked so it was pretty wild but i i really thought this was like a real D area mm-hmm. of like here's where all the priests are controlling all the undead you know in their big pentagram things yeah um so that's fun, and and like I said, there's I, I end up finding like places where you can slot in the uh, mm-hmm. the the badges, and I I note oh I've got uh, looks like I've got three to go. So uh, well, in know, that room you've got per diem. Oh no, that's true. Yeah, so you can you can free <laughs> per, like per diem the, the priest per diem. Yeah, you can free them, and I guess they were all mind controlled. They were all yeah, mind they controlled. were all they were all emceed by an idol. 
Mm-hmm. And, and actually, you have to fight the idol. Like, it's an yeah. enemy. <laughs> yeah, you got to beat it up. And mm-hmm. while they're, like, casting shit at you and summoning bone golems and stuff. Yeah, and that dude was like, oh, I was, like, in a dream. It was some real, like, Bloodborne stuff. He was mm-hmm. like, I was trapped in a dream, uh, you know, where I was in, like, waist-deep blood all the time. And Ilmater was making me do stuff. And I'd been, like, mind-controlled by this other dude, uh, Pokelin. He was like, Pokelin came and got us all and brought us here and made us do it. And did you talk to any of the other priests of Ilmater afterward? They felt bad. They did. They were like, please don't kill me. I, I was mind controlled. Yeah, I feel bad. I feel really bad about all this like murder that they're, I. They're uh, they're never they're never gonna f- recover from this. <laughs> no, God, no. They you, the best best option is to get like mind wiped. Yeah, that's the only thing you know. In the kind of like uh, you know, like in uh, the Civil War, like the only thing you could do is just like grit your teeth and have someone saw your arm off or whatever, mm. right? Like that's just what you had. Uh, in the D and D like dark fantasy, you know, pseudo medievalism, the only option is like mind wiping. You're 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 on a horse. You're looking for the tallest tower you can to find like a, a, a wizard that you can give silver pieces to to just wipe your memory. <laughs> yeah, that's that really is it. You just got to ride through the countryside hoping you can find a big old tower. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, you've probably killed a bunch of wizards yourself. I know you're really regretting this. Yeah, ah, what? but that's what happens when you get mind controlled. I really did like that um, That per diem. It, that's killing me. That's literally like <laughs> looking around and being like, what's the character's name? What's the character's name? Oh, yes, Lamp the Wizard. I'm telling you, it's the two modes, <laughs> book, right? There book, were these Bookshelf the Wizard. <laughs> we, we, we looked at the, apparently one of the people in the game, like, oh, yeah, so-and-so, he came up with Yuxaname. He's got the best fantasy yes. names. Yeah, we did say that. So or We did read that. Uh, there's that guy who comes up with the Yuxanames, and then there's apparently when he's out sick, you can t- <laughs> you can tell when the development cycle because oh. then it's somebody looking down <laughs> at a sheet, be like, well, oh, Ted's Ted's out on business. Uh, he's getting extra money per, per diem. This this priest. Yeah, yeah I guess a uh, poster, the priest poster poster dude, uh, uh, priest blank check. <laughs> <laughs> uh let's see the wizard business card uh, <laughs> the uh but uh well here's a great example of those uh because one of the characters when did you do malaketh did you do malaketh next by any chance uh do you mean malavon no i don't there's malaketh and malavon and those are two separate dudes okay okay uh okay then that well, means that i did malaketh last Okay, well, Malaketh has we don't we can talk about it in just a minute, but it was the it was the most like one of those moments, right? You know, like uh, Duke Belt, right? It was uh, his name is Malaketh, and his number one like you know bodyguard uh, Mariketh, by the way, Mariketh. I'm sorry. Oh, Malaketh, Malaketh is, from is Elden uh, Ring. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Oh, I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, his number one dude is a halfling rogue named seth (laughs) (laughs) you know just seth hanging out there's somebody uh, in here uh one of his minions is named fleasum (laughs) there's like fleasum and jesum there's there's two dudes and they're brothers Mm -hmm. And this and is when you like, really wish every every like item had a more in depth like there's more lore 
I want the lore on Fleasum. Right. I mean, there's a lot of lore in this game. Mm-hmm. If you like, if you're identifying items and reading that, there's a full two paragraphs for everything. Someone went hog wild in Icewind Dale. Mm-hmm. But it's but all about stuff Fleasum that happened before Fleasum. Right, right. It's the ancient. Well, you you need you want to play the game that takes place 200 years in the future, where you 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 don Fleasum's armor <laughs> yes. of, of getting smote by the ball spawn. Yeah. <laughs> Of of ball spawn hittery, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, we can talk about Malavon first. I just I wanted to get my Seth Seth bewilderment in here, but yeah, tell me about Malavon. Yeah, so if you head from that kind of central hub uh, room, you can go to a little my- like garden with a bunch of myconids, and there's two Zverf Neblin in the garden, and it's Callard and his son, and they are uh, they're 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 doing a sculpture. And that's they're actually making Marquette's sculpture uh yep. there. And um kind of interesting dialogue from these two. Mm-hmm. Did you did you talk to these guys? Yeah, I think this has the best, you know, like I was saying at the beginning, uh not just like gameplay and, and architecture wise and like kind of it feeling like a real place. You know, there's some uh verisimilitude here, but uh that like there's good NPC dialogue here, like mm-hmm. really good storytelling stuff going on here. Yeah, he says uh he's a Sferf Neblin, like all the gnomes are in this uh thing. I'm sure we'll talk about the gnomes in just a minute, but uh he's a Sferf Neblin and he's like, Yeah, I'm having to having to build a statue of this this evil guy here. And you can say, wow, this is a really detailed sculpture. How'd you manage it without having, uh, you know, the subject here? And mm-hmm. his response is something like, oh, well, when we surf Nebula and see a person's face, it becomes a block of stone. Inside every block of stone, there are a million faces. And by looking at a block of stone, we instantly know how to chisel away everything uh, that is not the face we see in our minds. The only response is, really? And he was like, nah, I just had to he sent a picture. Yeah, there's was, was a sketch. So yeah, yeah, it's a weird, you know, it's something in, uh, uh, you know, Michael and my show, Homestuck Made This World. We often talk about, like, the early 2000s, uh, like, deflationary move. The record uh, in, like, scratch. Com- yeah, right. The record scratch of comedy writing, right? Of mm-hmm. like, here's all of this big stuff, boo, 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 and really, here's a fart noise, right? Like, mm-hmm. and the joke is that it deflates the entire like big apparatus that no one takes anything too seriously. Uh, and here, here that thing is in like the year two thousand. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. uh, and there's like actually quite a few of those over the course of this chapter. There were like three or four moments like that, and it's like this is a dude who's been enslaved. His by, son has had his tongue cut out. Yeah, his son is enslaved and has had his tongue cut out, and he's and this dude keeps being like, "Yeah, I'm doing this so my son can live." Right? Like, it's a really like profound and kind of tragic story. You know well-worn fantasy stuff you know not not anything too shocking there but like it as a little unit of a thing totally of a piece fits into the zone uh you know really establishes some like very clear manichaean stakes of like there's good guys and bad guys here and like you know the surf neblin are are uh, good and caught in the middle uh, in a really bad way and it like there's it, it pays off in this like weird joke and yeah i didn't i didn't really care for that mm-hmm but uh, anyway, there is an, kind of a branch here where you go into like this little town that's just like the streets are just strewn with umber hulks and minotaurs. Yeah, it's the because this whole area, the lower Dorn's Deep, yeah. is like the, ta- the township part of 
what used to be the, the dwarf city. Yeah. And so like each of these pieces are like there's the temple that that would have been there that people used. And then there's the this is the artisans district, mm-hmm. you know, where like people tradespeople were. And then there's, you know, all kinds of other stuff, too. But the forge itself uh, that, you know, in the mines that fueled the forge and all that stuff. So. Um, you know, it's all ecologically of a piece with one another, and yeah, there's un- there's Umber Hulks fucking everywhere. Yeah, Umber Hulks, and the, the they're not that bad, except the confusion. The yes. confusion's a real bummer, and the animation is different. Like this is such a, like a fine grain complaint, but what are you coming to uh, for this? Uh, if not for some very fine grain comparison with other games made in the Infinity Engine, mm-hmm. if you're not here for that, what are you here for? Uh, but, uh, in Baldur's Gate 2, I, number one, I like the Umber Hulks in Baldur's Gate 2 way more than I do here. I like those, like, big purple bulbous dudes that kind of look like, uh, the creatures from the Dark Crystal. Mm-hmm. These are just big, like, a little bit more humanoid beetles. And they're, like they're it. dusty. They're not very, uh, yeah, they're not very vibrant. Mm-hmm. Not shiny mm-hmm. in any way. And uh, but in that game, you knew that you were having confusion cast on you from an Umber Hulk because it shot this like purple disc. Yes. And you could be like, oh, our person, that person's getting confused. But in this this game, the animation is like they like do an animation where they kind of stand up and then like a little field emanates on the bottom of your character. And there's like five million effects like that going on at any given time in a battle. Does and not it's pretty hard out. To- no, it doesn't stick out at all. And it's like, it's like golden colored too, which tends to be positive effects. So it's a little bit confusing on that in that way too. And uh, so, yeah, I really, I, yeah, they weren't particularly difficult to fight, but they were really annoying. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah. And a bunch of blind minotaurs. Why are the minotaurs blind? Did you figure that out? No, I didn't figure that out. I assumed that, uh. Maybe they, they've adapted to, like, are we in the Underdark here? I think so. We're, like, Underdark adjacent. We're Underdark adjacent. It, it, I mean, this is playing it, really weird. I mean, I guess not that super weird, but it's interesting that I talk so much about the Icewind Dale novels in the previous episode, given where this uh, episode is going to go. But, you know, this is the whole thing in the middle trilogy of the Icewind Dale stuff, or the Companions of the Hall, uh, Drizzt Dorden books, mm-hmm. is that, you know, I mean, Mithril Hall and Menzo Berenzon are on the same kind of, like, vertical plane, you know, uh, and uh, it's you're it, you're able to go from one to the other, and that's what's being set up here. Basically, is there's this drow city that's like way closer than those other two cities are, but it's right next door to the dwarves, mm-hmm. and uh, and so yeah, I mean, there's a bunch of drow here hanging out, and yeah. stuff like that. So yeah, this is under dark adjacent for sure. So eventually, you you work your way via persistence through the annoying Umber Hulks, and you get to uh, Malavon's little house. His little, his little compound and bunch of Swerf Neblin gardeners hanging out in here. And uh, I believe they're, these are like iron golems or some such. And you, it, when you confront him, he says, he basically is like, drop everything uh, or I'm going to kill all of these, you know, Swerf Neblin I have in the room. Yeah. And... If you drop everything, your character will like drop all of the, all of their equipment, like armor too. And, and then he just says, "I can't believe you did that," and he attacks you. D- did you did you did you experience that? I, I did experience that. Um, otherwise, it's a little complicated about the Swerfneplin hostage situation because there are also uh, 
I tried to not kill them, but then a Umber Hulk attacked me, confused Balthazar. Balthazar attacked one Sferf Neblin, oh, and then no. they all turned hostile. Oh, no. Yeah. Uh, that's unfortunate to hear you had to kill those Sferf Neblin. It like, really was. Neblin. But, um, yeah, so I, you know, I saw the way this was kind of like painting out. In a general sense, one of my strategies, you know, I took two or three swings at this, maybe maybe three or four swings. Um, and uh, one of my strategies was definitely just cast fireballs into the room <laughs> because I was like, oh, he's going to kill the Swift Neblin anyway. So it doesn't really matter here. That's not the strategy that ended up working for me. But yeah. uh, I ended up summoning a bunch of monsters, sending them in. Uh, summoning a bunch of undead because he casts or no the, it's the golems who cast like cloud kill or, or stinking cloud or something it's like, hard it might have been a, like a triggered spell because the, the way the the fight no was, no it's definitely the golems it because is the golems. When, when you fight them later they also do it too i think that's just uh because remember um clay golems do that in Baldur's gate 2 i think that's a golem thing in interesting D&D, is they just like poop out a cloud every now and again well the way i ended up because the way the the fight is scripted you fight malavon and several golems in that room um they uh if you don't spare the Sverf neblin I, I couldn't figure out a way to spare the Sverf neblin but they attack the Sverf neblin as well a bunch mm-hmm. of cloud kill goes off you can rush malavon and kill him um and then he appears in like the central room of the compound. Mm-hmm. I love this. I thought this was so good. And it was like, oh, it appears that you, you killed my simul- simulacrum. Um, <laughs> he's that kind of wizard. He really like, is. A- initially, he's like, I'm going to kill all of these ones if you don't do what I say. <laughs> Woo-hoo. Yes. And you're like, ah, oh, Malavon, come on, buddy. Mm-hmm. And then he definitely, once you kill him, he's like, that was simply my other guy. Ooh, I'm this guy now. <laughs> so the problem I had is like, I had all my people like in the center. Um, and he would, mm-hmm. he would pop in and you could, you would attack him and then he would despawn. Yeah. He, like, he, would start, he starts teleporting around. So the way I figured it out was I have Balthazar initiate the combat in the far east room with the iron golems. Balthazar berserked, took down the fake Malavon. Everyone else is in the far west room. Right? So mm-hmm. Balthazar runs out of the of the room with the golems. They're killing the Sferf Neblin. And uh, Balthazar goes to reunite with the team. No, he initiates dialogue with like the guy who appears in the center, who's like, aha, that was just my simulacrum. The first place he always teleports is back to that West Room. He teleports into the middle of all of my guys. The Iron Golems are are making their way uh, to the West Room, but I'm able to kill Malavon before he teleports a second time. Ooh. Efficient, yeah, very efficient. I was, I was actually this this fight. Like, I, I probably tried it five times. I was like, oh, I'm really like the attrition, and especially mm-hmm. Mal- Malavon starts casting summon monsters for uh, if you yeah. let him go too long. I actually changed the difficulty to easy, and uh, I, I I beat the I, after I adopted the strategy, I beat it the first time, and then I went to turn the difficulty back up, but it turns out when I loaded the difficulty reset, so I did beat it on the actual difficulty, it was just adopting <laughs> the new strategy changed it for me. 
the yeah i i i didn't have very much trouble with this but also that's a difference in like number of spellcasters i have versus what you have right i i think the way i got him down is um fireballed sent a bunch of uh in like skull trapped a couple times in order to kill the golems off but that's like running into his magical defenses or whatever and so then i um breached him and uh you know breach just blows off whatever Mm -hmm. remaining uh stuff was there and then uh he died respawned weirdly enough my whole team was just standing there mm-hmm. <laughs> like i killed him first try when, when i got him to like phase two essentially and my whole team was just standing there so they just turned around and started hitting him with their swords and that like took him to half health and he teleported and then i i think my rogue just shot him mm-hmm. I, you know i think it was a because did, did you do that weird little tower that's just full of archers that shoot you yeah and so, did you talk to the the little girl the little yep. surf neblin girl yeah i did and um, so the only reason i bring it up is when you kill all those archers they have three plus three arrows. yeah yeah plus three arrows and so putting those on my archer and he just like booped him down i've so, got a yeah, great Malvon, story about those arrows at the end of the episode i've got a, i also have a very good story for you just a little putting putting a little uh plink plonk in there for everybody i also have a good story for the end mm-hmm. uh the Unfortunately, I really wish that I had been able to do the Malavon thing the other way. Did did you ever find the Golem manual in not Malaketh? I did. It was after I had already done this. So same. Okay, so yeah. this is just a way to like deactivate these golems. Then that they, I, I'm yep. looking at the footage again. They are the one that do that does the cloud kill. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Because that. Yeah. Just other golems and BG two do it. So I know it's got to be some ability for them. But yeah, there is a. Uh, Later on in another part of the dungeon, you can find this manual that's a, that's a golem manual. And when you read it or look at it, it says, like, it's full of command words for golems. And so it's like, oh, yeah, of course. Damn. I wish I could have, you know, had them attack him or, you know, do something. I bet I could have done some cool stuff with it. But anyway, we cleared it. It was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I, I like that. So it's a, it, Also, he lives in a dome for some reason. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. Did, he's a scientist. Did you see that? He's like an evil drow wizard scientist. He's like doing experiments to draw to create myconid people. They're people of learning. Drow the wizards. Drow? Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, they, they got all their uh neblin lab assistants who've had their eyeballs cut out it's awful mm, yeah it's awful I, stuff I, it's not good the good type of science no which well, is what like is new pop tart flavors oh that's the good stuff <laughs> actually weirdly enough the drow produced the pop tart oh, no. everyone hates it when no one wants to think about the fact that the drow uh you know a uh a, a group who thrives on conflict and chaos and murder worships uh, a whole pantheon of people and gods who just can't help but stir shit up all the time and, you know, make deals with demons, live in the abyss, all that kind of stuff. They do some really evil things, but goddamn, they made the Pop-Tart. And how mm. mad can you be about that? Not very. Not very. You can't be <laughs> mad about it. <laughs> um, you can't be mad about the Pop-Tart. So we're we're running out of badge keepers here. Yep. Right. We, so we've we got two two left? Two left. Who's your next badge? Badge holder. Oh, no. one One left. One left. Oh, so we had two, then we picked up Fire Giant, then mm-hmm. Malavon. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's six total, the priest. right? No, and then the priest, Perdium. Oh, the priest had one, there you go. Yeah, you keep, you keep, you keep forgetting Perdium. And so, yeah, the only one left is Malaketh, but it's not Malaketh. Marraketh. Marraketh, oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> uh, and he, he lives in the little tower, or in the little building where the uh, statue maker was. Yeah. 
And you just, I mean, it's pretty simple. You like go up into it. It's like a real building. It's when you fight Blurgith and Zergith or whatever their names it are. It is. There's definitely, there's like a, there's like a other people that live here, like his servants yeah. and whatnot. There's definitely like a drow woman who it's implied that she's being abused. It's not implied. It's explicitly said. Yes. Well, I didn't uh, talk to her as much as you did, maybe. But oh yeah, if you if you talk to her, she's like, oh yeah, it's it's. I mean, it's very much like, uh, what if you had someone very quickly bang out like an abused woman narrative, right? So it's she's like, oh, you I know, fell down some stairs. I'm pretty sure. Basically, she says something to that effect, and then you're like, oh really? And she's like, well, it was my fault. I made him angry. Oh, see. And, I did yeah. not. I think Balthazar has zero charisma. So. Oh, so yeah, yeah, you didn't even get beyond mm-hmm. that. But uh, she basically says, I mean, there's a cool story here. Uh, I mean, not that part of it, but the whole thing is that she she's Malavon's sister. I, I didn't write her name down. I didn't write down very many names mm-hmm. uh, for this thing, but her, she's Malavon's sister. And uh, basically what happened is that, uh, God, what is his name? Not Malaketh, but Maraketh. Maraketh. Mariketh is a human, and he uh, came as part of a group to uh, the Drow city to recruit, to go into alliance with the Drow. And uh, actually, you know what? It might have been Pockwin. Anyway, someone did. One of these people went to make a deal. And the only person, the only Drow who was like, oh, that's a good idea, was Malavon. And so uh, when she found out that Malavon was going to betray the drow, basically, and go join up with this, uh, uh, you know, this group of lieutenants under uh, Pokalan, uh she, you know, was like, uh, what? And then he kidnapped her. Mm-hmm. And it see, I mean, the, the, this word is not used, but, but it seems like basically sold her or gave her to... Uh, Miraketh in order to like smooth over some relationships here. Mm-hmm. And so she is being both kept physically uh, and I think magically is the implication. Malavon has put some sort of curse on her uh, to keep her physically here and entrap her. Um, she also wanted me to make a deal to not hurt Miraketh Mer- and I would not do that. And so I did not progress any further in what seemed like maybe an opportunity to free her. Mm, interesting. Yeah. The enemies you encounter here, it's a bunch of thieves, and they've been, they were the AI was interesting. They were like zeroing in on my lowest HP character. Yeah, yeah, they're pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I there's some uh, well, okay. So you you do all this, you go to the next uh floor. Uh there's like a throne room and then like two smaller rooms. One of the smaller rooms, Mariketh is there, and he's like he's a thief and he's very canny, right? Yeah. He's like, hey, guess what? Uh <laughs> we are you know, I don't want to die here. I'm not particularly attached to this cause. Um, you know, what's up? And I could straight up through dialogue be like, drop all your weapons, drop your armor, give me your badge, leave, and you can leave. Um, and I did. I tried to fight him one time, and uh, it didn't seem worth it. Didn't seem it seemed so much more high stress to do that. So I just let him go. Oh wow! So no no consequences for letting him go. Oh, no, there's consequences. <laughs> I didn't say there were no consequences. Okay. But I, uh, but partially, too, because she said to me I, that she really thought that he w- that his, like, worst habits were happening. 
here and that he would not be the way he was if he were not in a position of power here in this like fortress. And so I was thinking, all right, well, maybe he could be not as much of a shithead. And then I was also thinking, this, this dude's going to die. He's never going to make it back to civilization from mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we, we're uh, like 40 hours away from the nearest town. And this dude's dead. So I, you know, I didn't feel too bad about it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, how did you resolve this then? I, I took he he made me that offer and I killed him. Oh, okay. Well, how did the combat work for you then? It was pretty easy. He died immediately. Mm-hmm. He evaporated. And but what about was, the the next people who showed up? Ah, uh, they got my caster down low, but that like the AI on both sides of this game is like kind of weirdly sticky, and they were just obsessed with chasing Barry, my sorcerer. Yeah, uh, as I manually navigated Barry around the room, and they, uh, you know, had their lunch eaten by the rest of my party. Yeah, because uh, about twenty thieves own stealth and start hacking you. Apart. Oh, so here's the thing: I I think I killed all the stealth thieves in this. I think they spawn in, or they come in from the other room. Oh, it's, well, may, let me re-narrate that. Yeah, that maybe it's just different. Uh, you let him go, and he's like, uh, and he says, okay, here's all my stuff, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and then he says, actually, can I keep this ring? I'd really like to keep this ring on this string around my neck. And you could say, no, give me your ring. Or you could say, all right, fine, take it. <laughs> I know what that ring is. Yeah, that, that ring, if you put it on, immediately petrifies the person who puts it on. And that, that to me, I was like, this is, this is RPGs. Yes. Like, this is good stuff. Like, this is such a, like... If it, this should be everyone who is like running a game, uh, you know, of D and D should give this a shot at some point of like uh, having a guy who who like there's a peaceful resolution, but he's gonna get get you on the way out. You know? Yeah, he's like a conniving thief. I really like that. I thought that was good. It's extremely punitive, yeah. like overwhelmingly punitive to to a way that you know it would force you basically to reload unless you had like a stone to flesh scroll or something. So mm-hmm. I like that a lot. Then he leaves. And then about 25 thieves uh, unspawned, as well as Seth, who hits like a truck uh, and and can like one shot a caster, like no question in my mind. And so I had to like try that part two or three times just to make sure I could clean everything up. It seems harder to let him go, to be honest, because I I didn't have like the unstealth thieves when uh, Mm. when I attacked him. It was just like it was just his little gang, his little kind of. uh, Mm party um yeah there's like a wizard who's there the uh yeah he's like from the, the like society member of the society of the kraken is that wizard's yes. name it's yeah awesome. I, what's up with that i didn't you know i wanted to look that up but let me let me uh kraken <laughs> society member uh i swin dale i'm i'm so curious about that because i didn't get any other stuff uh Oh, you know what? It just looks like it's like a thing. <laughs> oh. This is like a thing in Icewind Dale area. There's a book called Secret Societies that you can read. Uh, and oh, if you talk to Seth, you can say that you're part of the Kraken Society? Oh. Interesting. There are, so it does seem like there were more non-combat options available. Uh, yeah, there are quite a few. I, I think. think that the rest of this game really <laughs> primed us yeah, in the other direction. You, why would you go through 20 hours of, of just like fighting dudes mm-hmm. to get to the final chapter, which is like not all fighting dudes? And, yeah. And, you know, so I like totally get 
if like someone did not have the desire to make it all the way through. But I thought the last chapter was pretty pretty interesting. So that's all of the badges. Now you have not mentioned the gnomes at all, like the little gnome village. You didn't do that side quest. No, I did not do the gnome side quest. Huh. On purpose? Did you discover it or you just didn't discover I found it? a bunch of gnomes. I, I only talked to like the first gnome I saw and mm-hmm. the first gnome I saw was basically, <laughs> it was the same Typical thing. Typical Balthazar only talking to the first gnome he sees. Yeah, the first named one. And mm-hmm. uh, he just gave, like the reason why I didn't engage further with the gnomes is that gnome was like, oh boy, we're miserable and it's awful. <laughs> And uh, you know yeah, what you got to do? You need to defeat yeah. so-and-so. And once I saw that, I was like, okay, I'm going to do that anyway, Gnome. Um, yeah. You're welcome in advance. <laughs> well, so he has two things he tells you to do. His name is Tarnhelm. Mm-hmm. And he actually has two things he says. The first thing he says is, hey, you got to beat that salamander who's oppressing us. Because he sucks. Mm-hmm. And uh, basically, it just means you got to kill all the salamanders. Easy to do, because you're right. You're going to do that anyway. The other thing he says is that we're we're hungry as hell down here. We're mining all day. We're enslaved. We have no food. No one feeds us. They don't give a shit about us. They're awful. You know, these drow and humans and, and uh, this priest of Ilmater. Bring us some food so you can loot a bag of potatoes. Wow. In, Mar- in Mariketh's house, and you can bring it back. Did you talk to the cook in Mariketh's house? I did. He uh, <laughs> begged me not to kill him, and I did. Yeah, he's like, he's like, I'm the cook. <laughs> and you're like, uh, are you really the cook? He's like, yeah, I am. Look at my character model. And I was like, all right, I guess that's true. Um, but a lot of cooks that served in uh, the Vermont, apparently. Well, I, I guess that's true. Yeah. I mean, look, he's still doing all this stuff. There's only like 11 people who are not enslaved down here, and he's one of them. Mm-hmm. So. But also, I'm just saying sometimes, like, you know, when the when the chips have all, you know, fallen where they may, and then the, mm-hmm. the post interview is like, so what was your role in the uh, in Reverend Brother Pockelin's, <laughs> uh, yeah. um, you know, army? Oh, I was a cook. You, you uh, talked yeah, to all, cook. You talked to all the survivors. They're all cooks. Yeah. Oh, I was an architect. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, oh, here, speaking of that, something really interesting happens when you talk to Perdium about Pokolin. He says that slowly but surely, after they were recruited, Pokolin became, quote, more fascist. Hey, oh my god, he says the word fascist. He says the word fascist, and I was like, is there fascism in the Forgotten Realm? Jean-Jacques Rousseau is a historical <laughs> figure in the Forgotten Realms. I thought it was it was such a weird moment of like someone didn't comb through this too too carefully because generally these games are pretty good about you know keeping a you know portal fantasy esque Mm -hmm. gap between our world and that you know they have systems of domination systems of oppression systems of violence whatever but they're kind of talked about in their own terms even if they are allegorical or whatever you'll sometimes see like the word dictator thrown around Mm -hmm. in the forgotten realms. But that's about as, like, on the nose as they'll get in terms of... Yeah, you know, because it'll be like, oh, there's a Pasha in Kalimshan, and the way that they work is blah, 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 and, like, immediately you're like, okay, well, this is, like, uh, analogical to some other We're going to be talking about Kalimshan in a little bit. Are we? Yeah, we are. (laughs) Okay, that's interesting. Uh, And so, uh, but anyway, that's all to say. So, yeah, if you follow the Gnome Quest, you do that. He tells you that you need to rescue Bjorn. Bjorn is in the mines, in the in the deepest part, you know, down by the forge. 
If you complete that part of the thing, you can rescue Bjorn. He leaves. He goes back to... Oh, no. You know what? That's not Bjorn. That is someone else. It doesn't matter. It's a different gnome. Mm-hmm. Once you go get that gnome and you come back, the uh, and you and you have the food that you have. Oh, I'm, you know what? I'm messing up the chronology here entirely. Sorry. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. Get food. Bring to gnomes. Gnomes say, hey, we have a hidden village here. Like a straight up hidden village. The Umber Hulks are looking for it. And I was at this point, I was like, you know, I killed Malvorn. So the Umber Hulk's probably not coming. And he was like, yeah, he's dead. But the, the Umber Hulk's are still running around. They're like burrowing around, feeling for vibrations. You know, worse for Fneblin, they can't use magic to find us, but they can use feel our vibrations. So you have to, to hunt out the Umber Hulk's, and then you can go to our secret village. And so I like went and hunted out the Umber Hulk's, and it spawned 12 of them, some are 15, mm-hmm. a huge number. They like spawned like in waves of three. And if you don't kill them fast enough, they just like all pile up. So wow. it's actually a pretty cool little encounter. It's very like what would then become much later, like a mass effect style, like point defense, essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, very uncommon for these uh, isometric games. And so you do that. You go to the village. Bjorn lives there. He's their priest. And so he's been like leading the resistance. Uh, he's the person who tells me to go get the other gnome who is in the mines. And that guy is like a magic user. He might also be a priest and he is going to disguise the village, uh, the village's vibrations. So no one can find them until, you know, I get rid of everyone here and they can leave. Um, and you talk to him, you get some quest XP. It's a cool little, uh, you know, sub quest of stuff. Now let me blow your mind. Here. Okay. There's an additional little part of this. Oh, wow. Cause when you go to this first Neblin town, this this little hidden hidden village. There's a drow there whose name is Nim. Do you know about Nim? No, I never met Nim. Oh, this is kind of like it. This is this is one of the cooler parts of the whole thing. So Nim is like, you're like, why is there a drow here? And he's like, well, I'm a I'm a drow trader. I've been a drow trader for 400 years. I do trade with everyone. Like, I think that's good. The Spurf Neblin, they're good at making gems and like finding gems, and that's what they like doing. And I like selling gems. So, like, it's good. I'm happy to provide them equipment. I don't give a shit about the drow. Who cares? Which is very in character for the drow uh, in a general sense, right? Mm-hmm. And so, uh, they, so you're talking to him, and he's like, Yeah, I've been doing this for a long time. And you can ask him some questions. And eventually, he's like, Yeah, and you know what? The best part, you know, why I really like Dorn's Deep is that when the dwarves were here, they were terrible at, like, security. And you can be like, well, what are you talking about? And he's like, yeah, I was able to... When the the dwarves were here, I was constantly going into their vault and stealing all their magic items and selling them to goblinoids. (laughs) And so, so then you're like, wait a minute. You caused like this whole thing that oh killed all the God. the elves and the dwarves, and he's like, "Yeah, I guess so. I don't know. Like, I I just I was getting their stuff and selling it. Yeah, it was fine. So yeah, the end result of that is that there was basically one drow dude going in and stealing stuff and selling it to the goblinoids, and that's the thing that made the dwarves distrustful of the elves and the elves distrustful of the dwarves. I mean, it's and- still the dwarves' fault." That kind of security. Well, I guess. Or, right. They probably shouldn't have allowed that drought to sneak in and yeah. do that. 
Sure. You know, uh, <laughs> I don't think they were doing due diligence. But point being is the elves said the elves the thought that the stuff. dwarves were directly, um, yeah. you know, yeah. trading with the uh, these goblins. Uh, the truth, it turns out, is the dwarves were just uh, not. They left the door open. <laughs> they left the door open and then a dark elf came, got the stuff and sold it. Yep. Yep. And so you can be like, I got to kill you. Uh, like, I don't, you know, I feel like it's the least I can do wow. is, is kill you. And that's like a dialogue option. It's like, look, I, there's just, a, you know, you caused a lot of suffering. So sorry. And yeah, I killed him. Wow. And, uh, you know, I guess in a general sense, unfortunate because he is a straight up merchant. And if I had maybe been a little less uh, uh, forthright with my intent to murder him, I could have sold like my entirely full inventories to him. But I didn't. I just killed him. So wow. didn't get a chance to sell. There is another, there are a couple other merchants running around. Um, there's one who sells uh, a full, full set of uh, Umberhulk armor. Wow. It's pretty cool. Yeah. It, it was not an upgrade for anyone, but it, it was neat looking. And uh, so I bought it for 15K gold and couldn't get rid of it again. So that was pretty interesting. Hmm. But uh, but yeah, so that's like a little side quest that happens. I, it's a cool little whole thing that really built out what the Spur of Neblin were up to and like what the capabilities of the, you know, the stuff was. It, it you know, ended a quest that, that would have been a big question mark probably for you as you were finishing the game of like, well, I guess we just never find out what happens there. Mm. Um, so it was good. Mm. I thought it was cool. But uh, after doing all of that stuff, I had all the badges. Yeah. No, that does sound like a good quest. And maybe something that was maybe missing in some previous chapters is that kind of that kind of a quest that really fleshes out more of the history uh, yep. and, and ecology of the area, quote unquote. Mm. But yeah, so you head up and I am ready for a climactic final encounter when I head up these stairs, to be mm-hmm. honest. Um, there's something also about the map you pop in and you can, uh, it like gives you some space to like put your, you know, your positive uh, magical effects <laughs> and buffs on before, <laughs> right. before you get into the fight. It's like getting into a, like a Dark Souls boss arena. Yes. <laughs> right? Like, you know what's up. You know. Uh, just And also the scale of the area. It's not a big yeah. area. You're like, this is, this is a boss fight. Uh, and we meet the, the, the Reverend. We meet the Reverend, uh, oh gosh, Pocalin. Pocalin. And uh, I, I rushed through this dialogue, to be honest, but he does talk about how grateful he is that we took out Yuxaname. We can tell that this is the entity that uh, that impersonated uh, yep. the, the Archdruid. Arendelle. And um, so he talks about how, wow, your brevity is in stark contrast to how like uh, long-winded Yuxaname would be. So it's a welcome change to hear this from an enemy. And we get into a fight. Did you like go go deeper with uh, Pokalin? Uh, yeah, I did. But really, his whole his whole shtick is just like, and in chapter one, I did this. And in chapter two, I did this. And in chapter three, I did this. And in chapter four, I did this. And in chapter five, I did this. And here we are in chapter six. He really moves through every major boss you have fought and explains how they're like in the plot. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and how he he's related cool. to them. Yes. And I mean, the shtick is that he sicked you on Yuxaname to get the hearthstone, uh, to get the heart stone. God. 
Um, and he did not expect you to take it to the elf guy, basically, mm. is like what he says. You know, I didn't expect you for you to do that, uh, but you did that, and I guess you're here now, but it ultimately doesn't matter uh, because he reveals that here, right? He's like, because I have Crinshinabon, mm-hmm. the crystal shard, but you might have clicked through that. No, he didn't talk about the crystal shard. Holy shit. He's got Crinshinabon. I mean, obviously, you find it out very soon, yeah. but he, he explains it to me. He's like, look, basically what I've been doing up here this whole time is scouring around and looking for Crinshinabon the whole time. Now I've got it, uh, you know, and it makes the Heartstone look like a little poo-poo pee-pee garbage, <laughs> little baby garbage. And uh, so here we go, buddy. Let's fight. This is the least... <laughs> This is the most anticlimactic fight I've ever done. Oh, this was a, this is a pretty hard fight for me. I, I had to like swing at it about five times or so, and I had to like try some different strategies of like summoning creatures and doing stuff because the ads were really getting my guys. But but uh, I I mean ultimately it was nothing compared to like anything in Throne of Ball. Uh, you know, it, it was relatively simple and straightforward once I kind of figured out what to do with my guys. But I am looking uh, at the footage and, uh, you know, all my melee people are engaging with uh, with the reverend and uh, my mm-hmm. my ranged. My archer is attacking my scald is doing nothing other than standing with uh, her harp symbol uh, highlighted, giving everybody like plus two to AC and attack. And I am mm-hmm. navigating Barry the sorcerer to like summon some enemies. He summons one group. He's about to finish the cast on the second summon, and I go immediately into a cinematic. Mm. And I was just like, "What?" <laughs> uh, and yeah, I, I, I get I hit this uh, you know narrator fellow talking about in the heat of battle the the twisted priest of ilmater stumbled gripping his chest as if mortally stricken yeah and uh we get a couple more pages of like illustrations here uh very um old school kind of uh who was the uh i mean not in the exact style but what was the name of like the uh the famous um uh illustrator of like conan the barbarian uh frog from frog and toad frog from frog and toad yeah like frog and toad the two uh creatures who hang out together best friends i think it's frog i think frog did all that frog did all of the uh yeah. um, the illustrations for conan the barbarian um and uh what's it called uh the uh yeah uh call the conqueror he did all those mm-hmm. yeah uh, but anyway, from a, a lot of like uh, black and white um, illustrations, like dark fantasy, as we as mm-hmm. we see like the the adventurers fighting, and then we get zapped back to to frozen East Haven in like a mm-hmm. in a in a very return to the Shire move here, scouring of the Shire move, a scouring of the Shire move. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, and lo and behold, we are back in East Haven. Before us, instead of the the Temple of Tempest, it is a, a big old frozen tower, uh, like a, made of ice and whatnot. Nope, <laughs> it's not. It's not. It's no. It's made of crystal. It's the Crystal Shards Tower. Yeah. Well, no. Uh, now I know that, but at the time, Curious Curious oh, Tower, a massive tower of crystal. Sure. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. I got. I got to hold. I got to hold our feet to the fire on this mm-hmm. one. You, we got to be. 
accurate about the uses of Krenshinabon mm-hmm. and how it, uh, uh, little, little did you know that, uh, a mere few years later, uh, Artemis and Triri and Jarlaxle would be in the lair of a red dragon <laughs> with two characters from the Cleric Quintet, a totally other <laughs> separate series of novels, and they would be there attempting uh, and fighting uh, against a mind flayer, a, uh, a psionicist drow, and a drow wizard mm-hmm. from, uh, uh, gosh, uh, Chednasad. <laughs> and they would all be hanging out together, attempting to uh, shroud Krenshinabon in a globe of darkness while it was smashed and lit up by an ancient red dragon's breath. That all happens. Apparently. It does. I'm, I'm here to tell you. That happens. That happens uh, in in, uh, in a novel. Uh, there are a bunch of cyclopses here. There. What are they about? They're just opportunists. <laughs> oh, you know what? This is another thing that maybe like will make the rest of the game make a bit of sense though for everyone. Uh, is that basically uh It has a couple powers, right? One is it loves making big crystal towers of itself. Uh, the other is that it's like, it's sneaky and greedy. So it like mind controls people subtly. Uh, and the third one is that it also mind controls people not subtly. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, anytime someone has Krenshinabon, it starts talking to monstrous creatures in the area and starts bringing them under the command. So it builds armies. That's like part of what it does is like an artifact of power. So that's why all these like weird creatures are constantly around, like all these sal- uh, frost salamanders, fire salamanders, giants, um, cyclopses, yeah. all the lizard folk, all that stuff. Right. The, the reason that they all kind of are implicitly and explicitly supportive of this goal is that that's kind of what Krenshinabon does as a as a uh, item. Yeah. Did you talk to Jonan here? Uh, that is that the drunk guy. Uh, no, that was the guy who, in the very, in the prologue, he mm-hmm. was hearing this singing. Oh, no, I did Uh, yeah, I got a plus five longsword from him. Whoa, cool. Yeah, so, um, this started back in the prologue, and mm-hmm. there was this guy, uh, Jonan, he's this fisherman who was like, oh, I keep hearing these songs in my dreams, it's really bothering me. I can't sleep. And you find this uh, woman, this strange blue-skinned woman named Elisa there. And uh, you mention Jonan to Elisa, and she's like, oh, I fell in love with one of Jonan's ancestors. And I've been trying to contact Jonan in his dreams because she wants to right. return his ancestor's sword to him, but she can't physically meet him. So uh, she asks you to bring the sword to Jonan. And uh, you get the shattered blade, and you can return to uh, Jonan with it and tell him about like the reason why his uh, dreams of, are, are getting weird. And so if you tell him that uh, Elisa loves him and wants him to have the sword, you lose the sword. And you get some experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can lie... Uh, and do like the evil path and just like return to Elise and said, oh, yeah, I gave him the sword. Um, but anyway, if you don't drive Jonan away and you like actually give him the sword, the shards of the sword, he apparently repairs it. He gives it to you. And it's like a sweet plus five sword. Cool. Yeah. So Balthazar picked that up and it like gives you maximum HP. And the way that it is, uh, the way that it is. Um, uh 
that the item description d- talks about it's conditional XP. It's like, oh, you must be within a dragon's flight of uh, like like this lake in in East Haven for you to get the HP. I thought that was a oh, nice touch. That's rad. Yeah, that's like a cool. That that's sweet. Mm-hmm. I like that. Um, that's a cool thing to like put into a fantasy game. Yes, it is. Uh, but anyway, it's uh. That's that, and I, you, you can you can free some other folks. Yep, I freed all the people from the Cyclopses, and, and uh, uh, I think you have to because that's uh, so. Basically, what's happening here is uh, for, what's the guy's name? The East Haven dude? I don't I don't know. I didn't write his name down. But the uh, the priest who's there, who you talk to at the beginning of the game, he's like who becomes very important. Yeah, well, he's a priest of Tempest, and he's like the dude who's always been taking care of. You remember Jared? And I said I was going to be pissed off if Jared didn't come back in some way. Well, Jared's back. And he matters here at the end. Yeah. So he basically is like, hey, here's the deal. Krenshinabon, uh, you know, this big crystal tower just booped up right above the tomb where Jared is like, you know, in his big stone formation thing, you know. Because if you remember all the way back to the prologue, Jared uh, was this like barbarian guy. He uh, was, uh, there was a, a wizard who was doing all kinds of bad shit, summoning evil entities in. And basically, Jared sacrifices his life to grab the, I think, the stone that's doing the summoning. And in doing so, it, like, turns him, you know, it freezes him in carbonite, basically. But his, like, eternal sacrifice is what holds this gateway or this item at bay. Um, and so, theoretically, if one broke the the stone or, like, you know, magically penetrated this whole deal... It would unleash, uh, you know, the abyss or some stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know the specifics here. And he's like, "Hey, that's going to happen." FYI, we got to go in there. And so he, uh, he knows how to get inside Krenshinabon. He takes us in. We're going to, and he's like, "We got to go down into the tomb below it." But there's seals. I can't break th- through the seals. You know, I'm just a priest of Tempest. I'm going to try. Why don't you go up the tower? See how, see if they're down in there since they've sealed it up, and then see if you can figure out a way to to go and do it. Yes. And uh, and then we go do that. But wouldn't you know it, you go upstairs and guess who's there? Our little favorite, uh, Kalamshite. Oh, he is from Kalamshite. Because in the prologue, the guy who's organized the caravan was like, oh, you know, those shifty Kalamshite folks. Damn. Yeah. I totally didn't put that. But you're right. That is, yeah, he's a huge asshole. Yeah. I think we talked about that in the episode. Mm-hmm. Lo and behold, he still is. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, I'm the dude who did this whole thing. <laughs> he's like, I knew that uh, if there were adventurers around in East Haven, they would be able to do something about this. And so I set up the expedition to go to Kaldahar to like go and do all that stuff and you know get attacked by frost giants, all that stuff. I set it up to take all the adventurers out of here so that this could happen. Mm-hmm. Bing, bang, boom. I'm Pomap. I'm a huge ass. He's mean to you the whole time. Mean to you the whole time. Uh, you can go back and listen to our episode on the prologue of the uh, intersection of real life racism and stereotypes and then bleeding into the uh, the, the Forgotten Realms here. But mm-hmm. obviously. Mm-hmm. That we recorded six full months ago. Six full months ago. From from where we are recording right now. Um, but yeah, obviously, you know, the uh, the Calumshite, this the shifty merchant uh, character. Turns out, he's also, in addition to being just uh, like a mean shopkeeper, 
also mm-hmm. like a, a core villain here here at the very end. In the, like, and he has a cool boss fight. He does have an interesting boss fight that's a little bit puzzly. So he uh, summons some like little guardian golem things. And he uh, pops into like, uh, there's a bunch of duplicates. But when you look at, when you hold down tab and look at their name, they all look like Pomab. But when you mm-hmm. attack... Uh, certain ones and you read the the combat text you will see either false pomab or pomab and that's how you can like figure out which one of these things is real Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so fun little fight i guess it was a little annoying uh at first but got there especially annoying with like the ai because my people are not doing what i tell them to do Yes, I think I took more swings at this than I did the previous fight. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I had to kind of figure it out, like you were saying that oh, you can kind of determine false pomab from real pomab. You can't. You don't really kill pomab. Uh, you just hit the real one, and then he teleports somewhere, and then you got to run over and hit him, and you got to keep doing. You got to do that like six times or something. Yeah, uh, and then you can kill him. And that whole time, there's like cursed elemental skeletons beating your ass yes. the whole time, and so it's not not great. But uh, I, I thought it was a cool puzzle design. You know, maybe the the full, you know, whatever so, solution isn't there. Uh, you know, the, the execution isn't all the way there. Mm-hmm. But uh, I thought it was cool. And then you do that and you go up a ladder. Krenshinabon's there. Mm-hmm. It's like hanging out. And there's a portal that takes you down to, and you like can't interact with Krenshinabon, unfortunately. But then uh, there's a portal, takes you all the way down into Jared's tomb. And there's this uh, uh, Pocklin. He's there. He narrates a little bit more to you. I, we had a conversation, and I was like, "Hey, dude, Krenshinabon has betrayed you. Like, I would not have been able to get here to attack you if the Crystal Shard attacked did me. Not, yeah, you know did not I mean? will it. Yeah, didn't let it happen. I, we're inside of a thing it made, right? Like, how could this happen? Now, an astute reader of the <laughs> Companions of the Hall novels would know that quite often people are able to get inside of the Crystal Shards towers and uh, do all kinds of goofery. It happens literally almost in every book. Sure. And the reason for that, of course, is that Crenshinabon is full of hubris. It doesn't believe at the end of the day that anything bad could happen to it, uh, like that it could be destroyed or that its crystal towers could be torn down. And, uh, you know, it's just it's uh, it's hubris takes it down so well you know i don't know if this holds up to canon <laughs> tell me <laughs> compare and contrast which is cooler krenshinabon the one ring oh krenshinabon mm-hmm. no question krenshinabon's like a dude yeah krenshinabon because the one <laughs> ring is ultimately just like a like a vessel almost like a, yeah like yeah the right? or you know this entity it's also kind of like a tin can on a string in some ways <laughs> yeah. right like it it lets sauron know about stuff and it's cool like i'm not you know, it makes people go invisible. You know, there's this cost to using it. Um, I, all that stuff is interesting. Krenshinabon's definitely a ripoff of that or like in conversation. with. I think starts as kind of a ripoff from that and becomes something that's much more interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's probably the best way to put it. But uh, the but yeah, it's like its own character. It's got its own, you know, due to D&D rules stuff. It gets its own kind of writing. And uh, it just loves making crystal towers. It can't help but make crystal towers. And uh, did you know that the thing that brings heroes and adventurers running every time is seeing a huge fuck off hundred story crystal tower everywhere? Yeah. Um, so uh, you know that's that's part of the fun of it too. Is it's like 
you know, it's not, they're not building, you know, meanest tourists everywhere. Yeah. Anytime someone puts on the ring, but anytime someone uses the crystal shard at the end of that rainbow, they're putting up a big crystal tower. It's true. Uh, and by and I, I, I have to, because just because I've been looking at my footage as we've been mm-hmm. talking, do you yep. remember what the POMAP uh, boss fight arena is like what the back it's a it's a room full of mirrors yes and like yeah. the there's like electricity that shoots from mirror to mirror occasionally oh i thought maybe he was like uh shooting me with a spell or something because nah. there's a lot going on yeah there is a lot going on but i'm pretty sure it's like that is the arena but very yeah, cool i initially i initially thought that you had to like smash the mirrors or something like the conan mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. smash the mirrors fight you know it's not this is clearly playing off of that but it's not not quite what what you end up doing but anyway so you talk to this dude and i actually uh i have a really interesting story about this but i want to hear how did the final fight go for you because this is the final fight he tells you all this stuff you kind of roast him a little bit and he's like all right let's make it happen he says uh, i'm, I'm unsealing mm-hmm. i'm cracking this buddy open <laughs> yep. And uh Jared gets uh he like unpetrifies him immediately and like the 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 portal is open. He's like, "Oh mm-hmm. boy, we're getting blood war round 2. Let's go." Yeah, basically, yeah. Um and uh the priest whose name we can't remember, uh, the prince, priest of Tempest, the priest of Tempest uh who was only introduced, you know, 2 seconds ago. Uh, his name's Everard. Um, yeah, Everard. And he is like, you know what? I've I've been thinking a lot about Jared's sacrifice, and uh, you know what? There's something to it. And he just like rolls up, and uh, and the the Reverend uh, like hits him with a piddling amount of fire damage uh, on the way up, and uh, and Everard seals reseals it. Uh, yep. In the same fashion as Jared did. And Reverend Brother Pelican says, you know, it's fine. Like, it took me a while to, like, you know, do the ritual to unseal this. I can, I can just, I can, I can do it again. It's fine. Uh, and the fight begins. The fight begins with him dispelling all of the effects on your party. Um, so if you were hasted and, you know, and blessed and all of that, you're not anymore. Uh, and... It's a pretty tough fight. There's a, there's there's some iron golems that come in from the side. And I think that I give it maybe three tries. Uh, Brother Peliquin turns immediately into a, you know, Yuxaname-esque kind of big creature with scimitars. Yeah. Uh, which is cool. And because he says, oh, uh, in, I think right before this, right? He says, oh, no, it's in the last one. Sorry, but he's like... The reason Yuxaname is, like, all up in my shit all the time is that we've been rivals for, like, millennia. Yeah. And I came to the Prime Material Plane, and of course she came to, like, mess me up. Uh, so, yeah, he's, like, of the same, you know, I, I forget what his, like, demon species is, but he's a demon. Mm-hmm. So, I think the first fight uh, is tough because I don't have anybody hasted and I'm not able to, like, get the party together. But the fight that was successful to me is I'm like, okay, I'm going to start. And everyone is going to be not buffed. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to turn off AI and just direct everyone to Bellahat, who, you know, uh, the Reverend Brother becomes Bellahat after uh, mm-hmm. after this. So I'm going to direct everyone to come. I'm going to have my sorcerer just cast haste with everyone directly surrounding him. So everybody gets hasted. While they're doing that, I'm going to have the cleric cast chant. 
And then I'm just going to manually AI off everybody attacks. Mm -hmm. Um, He starts taking one by one. They start going down. Um, And it comes to, to, it's only Balthazar and Gale the Archer up. Balthazar takes a hit. And I'm like, I know that in my first fight, I switched Gale to the plus three arrows. I look at Gale's inventory. She's had the plus one arrows this entire time. I switch her to the plus three arrows. She's the only one up. Uh, and her next shot, she kills him. And that, that cool. is the fight for me. So I had a similar, like, weird fight go on, mm-hmm. right? So I'm like, because he summons some creatures. So I'm doing all kinds of stuff. You know, my normal stuff. I'm summoning enemy or, you know, summoning monsters, getting things in. I've got all kinds of stuff going on at this point as far as, like, high-level monsters I can summon. There is a much wider variety of stuff you can summon in this game than there was in, like, Baldur's Gate 2 or Throne of Ball, which is really interesting to me. Yeah. But I'm doing that. Uh, Tony Monsters has got a staff of conjuring that I don't really use very often that summons, like, monster summoning six and, uh, I think, an invisible stalker. Mm-hmm. And I have 15 charges of that still going. And so just bat, and it's instant. Bat, bat. <laughs> well, and it's instant. So as soon as something dies, yeah, I'm using it again. And, uh, and so I'm, like, summoning, like, big yetis and stuff. It's, like, boss monster looking shit. And so, similar deal. He's, like, walking through, and he's, like, chopping my dudes up. My front line, gone, you know. Uh, one by one, I eventually, it's my just my cleric who's hanging around, and Tony Monsters, because everyone else has been killed, and this thing's at, like, two pips of five pips mm-hmm. or whatever. And so, I was like, all right, I'm just going to play it out, right? Like, I'm going to play it out, because it, I, this is clearly in the end of the game. It doesn't matter after this. I can go down to, everyone can be dead. Who cares? So every time a monster dies, I just summon a new monster. And they're like fighting him legitimately. Mm-hmm. They're not getting two-shotted or something. They are legitimately having a fight. My cleric goes down. Down. Tony Monsters <laughs> is here at the end of the game, summoning monster after monster and throwing it at the end of the game boss. And eventually those monsters kill the end game Yes. <laughs> it, was the be- it was like the best payoff of all time. No, it, it couldn't have been <laughs> anything else. Uh, and the fact that it worked, is a te- that's good design. I feel like so often, uh, and I feel this sometimes in Elden Ring, to be honest. I feel like so often it's like, you know what? We're going to let you pursue like a variety of strategies for, you know, 99% of the game. But mm-hmm. on the final boss, nah. You got to do it one way. We're not going to let you yeah. just summon yeah. monsters. Yeah, it's the classic kind of like Final Fantasy problem of like, uh, there's all these cool status effects, but lo and behold, ninety percent of bosses are immune to ninety percent of them, yeah. and they're all you know weak to one of them. And so you get to the final boss, and it's like, oh nope, their resistances or their immunities for everything is way up. And so if you like playing with poison or bio or whatever, you know, and adding that to your attacks in Final Fantasy VII. Well, good on you, but that's not going to be an efficient strategy here. Um, but yeah, no, I, I kind of felt like I could do whatever I wanted to here. And that really wasn't the case necessarily. I think you felt that pain, uh, this particular pain more than I did on like Baldur's Gate 2 and, and Throne of Ball of like, Irenicus has just got a lot of magical protection mm-hmm. and you got to figure out ways to get rid of that. And I think, you know, for, for the Baldur's Gate 2 fight for that, I think the way you resolved that was like with time and like running away yeah. and like waiting for things to, to rub off or whatever. Um, and, you know, for, for me playing with the full party, that was often like, 
line up your magical, you know, defense attacks, your breaches, your chaos words, your, you know, whatever, all of that stuff, secret word, do all that stuff. And then you can maybe fight the boss, right? After like a person goes down or something. So yeah, this was kind of refreshing. Like in that it was like, this is a boss with a lot of hit points and a lot of tools in its, you know, bat belt, demon belt. Mm -hmm. And, but you have all your tools and they're probably all valid. Yeah. So Go for it. And I thought that was really cool. Just I a super fair fight overall. Yep. Felt like it. And uh, it ends when you don't have to kill the ads. It ends when uh, his final HP is depleted. And uh, we get, as you said at the beginning, a, a pretty rad stinger. <laughs> it's it's rad as all hell. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so we, we get the narrator's voice, who, who's doing like a, you know, a pretty generic code of the game about how oh, everything goes back to normal. And then he starts getting really angry. And he's like, and Bella, Bella Hitt is confined to the nine. And he's like getting angry and angrier. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's just he's like, yeah, once once a demon is killed on the prime material plane. <laughs> by, by the way, this is also, I just got to get in here. This is like the main uh uh like crunch point for the demon that Drizzt Dorden kills multiple times <laughs> over the course of like the first six books. Is that that when a when a demon dies on the prime material plane, they're banished back to the abyss for a hundred years. Mm -hmm. And that he's so pissed off about that. And so that's like the big plot driver. So this the, all Icewind Dale is constantly being like, hey, you remember all those novels you liked a lot? You remember those? We, we have that stuff too. We got Crunchinabon in it. <laughs> but anyway, all to say, yes, the narrator, the, story, the narrator, narrator, the entire time who's been flipping. And the he's pages. been talking like this the whole time. He's been talking like a guy in a fantasy novel. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Slightly younger Gorion. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Gorion's younger brother. <laughs> Gorion. <laughs> and, uh, and sure enough, it was Bellahet the whole time. It's it's so great. He starts yelling and shit. And then and it's very clear what's happening. Yeah. Like there's no ambiguity. Like, oh, it's that guy. He's he's bad. Oh, that's fun. And it like zooms in on a candle and the candles blow out. And then we get this reverse shot of him. <laughs> and just the green eyes, the green glowing eyes of his silhouette as, as he goes, goes for like the maniacal laughter. Mm -hmm. And then he turns into the demon yes. too. Because just they were like, just in case you were, in case you were uh, you know, this yeah. isn't just any evil guy. This is that evil guy. <laughs> Yeah, it felt. It feels like that. It feels like that someone played this game and they got to the end and they were like, "So was that just an evil guy or what?" And they're like, "All right, oh, yeah. we're gonna have to make it clear. We're gonna have to add a name tag to this dude." Mm -hmm. uh, and that's it. That's the game. It's great. Are you higher on the possibility of Icewind Dale two after this? You know, that's interesting. Does it have anything to do with this game, or is it just like another run? I am you not know? sure. I th I know that the villains are different. Well, yeah. I oh oh, that's interesting. The main antagonist. I don't know. I, yeah. yeah, because it's not on Steam, right? And there's no enhanced edition. There is no enhanced edition. It is on GOG. It seems playable mm -hmm. from my experience with it, but it, it's it mm -hmm. is like you're interacting with the UI, uh, you know, with with an older non enhanced edition UI. 
Oh, wow. The spell systems. Like, the whole system is completely different. From, it is. So, so it looks like it's... This is the wild part, right? So Icewind Dale 2 comes out, and it is like... It is melding third edition stuff into the mm-hmm. Infinity Engine. Mm-hmm. Well, that's also what Baldur's Gate 2 did. A little bit, but I think that, like, Icewind Dale 2, in terms of, like, the weird stuff with races and like the, the spell casting mm. systems there's some weird stuff they also have a much wider uh spectrum like you can you can make a drow adventurer and they have this huge xp oh. penalty oh yeah of course yeah yeah because that's that's kind of how they were done in the books i don't know i'll I, you know i haven't purchased this before i'll buy it i'll play a little bit of it and we'll see what's up i i w- i'm hesitant to fight through <laughs> this when uh when there's like other games of that are contemporaneous mm-hmm. with it that might be more interesting for us to like do you know a short season on i'm thinking about like arcanum yeah you know it's a game we've talked about a lot that's kind of not quite this type of game but kind of in that zone um i don't know i'll buy it and i'll play a little bit of it and then we can make a call yeah let's do that but uh overall fun season mages and murder dads once again fun mm-hmm. <laughs> after our our long uh you know We've had a, a long and winding road, and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We really did kind of the double whammy of uh, a game that you hated mm-hmm. that killed the show, and then a game that just had uh, you know Disco Elysium. I'm glad we did it, but maybe it has too much going on. A lot of baggage, like an, a lot of baggage, a lot of stuff to dig through, and I, you know, I just don't think people like hearing that in a very basic way. <laughs> Which is not a criticism of anyone. You know, I I know I have made my uh, thoughts known about Sudoku and uh, various other things. Yeah. If you didn't like the ending of Icewind Dale, if you saw that and you're like, this is this is bad. I don't appreciate that personally. Wow. Wow. Big statements. (laughs) Yeah. But okay. well, let me but to bring it all back without getting too in the weeds about Mages and Murder Dad's seasonal history. I like that we're back in our lane. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right? Uh, this actually made me excited for Baldur's Gate 3, even though that's going to be a living nightmare. A living nightmare uh, that uh, will happen record. when I turn 45? Yeah, maybe, yeah. you're gonna. It's going to take a minute. I, th- I think we have two more years before that game comes that's out. That's wild. I think it is going to be 2024. It's, it, was it, co- was the, I have no knowledge that no one else are has. We like, uh, it's over a year since the beta was, I mean, like two years since the beta's been out? It might be a year and a half. Yeah. yeah I mean, I think I said at that time it was going to be two years. <laughs> so I basically, it's like the, uh, you know, the 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 uh, thing from Snatch of, you know, five, when are the sausages done? Five minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, to, we are always two years away from Baldur's Gate 3 coming out. Yeah. Which is cool. Take your time. I'm not in a hurry. Mm-hmm. Like, shout out to them. They can do whatever they want to be doing. They've been making a game during, uh, you know, a lot of uh, weird stuff. The the Snyder administration has been uh, sending everyone uh, pool noodles, uh, you know, for to use in the community pools that we've all had built over the past year and a mm-hmm. half. And I think that's super cool. And people should be taking the time to use the pool noodles. I think like, it's, I'm not, it's a better expenditure than military spending, which is where it came yeah. from the budget. So, yeah, yes. Look, we took 50% of the military budget out and we put 50% of the uh, money into community pools and pool noodles. So I, look, I so I think they should do that. I think it's great that we've been building pool noodles uh, across Europe or pools and, and giving pool noodles to people across Europe, uh, and which is you know where of course uh, that studio is located. So take your time on Baldur's Gate Three. Have all the fun you need. 
Um, happy to do that. And uh, I'm not in a hurry for it. But yeah, so maybe in the middle here, we'll do Arcanum, which I know some people have wanted us to check out and I'm interested in. Maybe we'll look at Icewind Dale too. Um, I need to install it and see if like I can just get in the headspace to do this. Mm-hmm. I, I got through Fallout 1 and 2, but that was, uh, you know, a struggle. Mm-hmm. But uh, okay, cool. Well, uh, thanks so much to everyone for listening to this for the season. We'll be back at some point in the future uh, maybe over the summer maybe afterward and uh, you know in some other time I don't think we're going to have a bonus episode on this or any kind of interview episode or anything like that so that's the end of the season of Mages and Murder Dads and uh, we'll be back in the future until next time ciao Passage. So say at the mind of the Lord.